Scorp is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 984, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score. 10.0 for Dante Cavanici. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get so in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, spreading ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for an interview episode. And hi, I'm Ben. You might have uh, heard me on such shows as Off The Podium. Haven't been here for a couple of weeks, but I'm back. And I'll just quickly say thanks to Colin for filling in for the last few weeks. But today I'm excited to bring you a chat with someone who you've heard on the show before, but not in a full-length capacity, Marnie Vinyl. Now, Marnie worked with me at Channel 7 during the Beijing Olympics as an Olympics researcher, and we had her on a couple of times during those games, just hearing her thoughts about the Olympics along the way, and we said we'd get her on in a full-length capacity, and here we are. So we're going to learn a little bit about Marnie's career, how she got into journalism and media, her experiences working on the Olympics, and everything else in between. It is a fun chat, which I know you are going to enjoy. So please sit back, relax, and listen to my chat with Australian journalist Marnie Vinyl. Very rare on this show that we can say we are welcoming back a guest who actually hasn't been on in a full interview. This actually might be the first time that we've had somebody on in a shorter interview that then we've said, hey, we'll get you back on for a longer interview. And here they are for a longer interview. You first heard her during our coverage of the Beijing Olympics, where I worked alongside of her as an Olympics researcher on Channel 7. But outside of that, you may have read some of her work in some publications, such as The Guardian, The Saturday Paper, ABC News, The Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, SBS News and many others and also heard her voice on numerous podcasts. She's also the dedicated AFLW writer for ESPN and also works on their podcast as well. And she goes for a kind of crap football team, but we won't talk about that. She's really good at her job everywhere else except for a choice in football teams. It's a pleasure to welcome back to Off the Podium, Marnie Vinyl. Marnie, I had to say it, sorry. Uh, Welcome back to Off the Podium. No, thank you so much. And... I will say that Essendon aren't performing very well in their men's senior team, but the women's winning by 60 points every single week at the moment. We had a percentage the last time I checked of 420 halfway through wow. the home and away. So BFLW, so even though Essendon, they're, you know, the, the, the biggest in the media story is that we're having a very bad year. We've got four losses to one win. That one win was against Adelaide by four points, not something to write home about. But the BFLW team, well it's done, year, baby. You did, yeah. yes. And you stole a couple of Carlton's good players too, I believe, for your inaugural season, right, for the uh, AFLW. So um, just typical Essendon. What can I say? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, also, so Maddie Frostbarkis, we stole from Carlton. She's a lifelong supporter of the Bongers, and I know that I'm biased here, but that, isn't it, like, super heartwarming to see this, like, all these kid photos of a player yeah. just, like, at games, just full nuffed craft going on, like 
full scarf and jersey and there's signings everywhere and they look a bit ridiculous. And then as an adult, you get to see them run out for their club. Like I get it, I'm biased because also I'm always going to be on the Pasparkas train when she, you know, chugs along to Essendon. But don't we love that story? But the way I picture it is that I remember when I used to do um, my breakfast show and I'd interview AFL players, my, the favourite question I always asked an AFL player was like, who did you support growing up? And 90% yeah. of the time they never supported the team they played for. So, like, you picture yourself, Marnie, that, like, you're getting drafted by, I don't know, Carlton in five years' time. That's going to be oh. weird for you because you spent your whole life going for Essendon but you want to play in the AFL. So it's kind of like, well, shit, what do I do here? So it would be a romantic story for you to get drafted by Essendon because you've got everything ready to go, right? Exactly. I don't know if you know, but in St Kilda games, they constantly show the photo of Jack Higgins as a kid being lifted up in the crowd. Have you seen yeah. it? It's so I think I have sweet. seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember my dad used to say to me, I said, like, Dad, like, if I had have grown up to play AFL and I had played for Collingwood and it was a grand final, I mark the ball, siren goes, I kick against Carlton to win the grand final for Collingwood, who would you be going for? And he's like, Ben, I know deep down you would know what to do and you would miss that shot. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> probably would. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Sacrifice my own glory for, for my own of course, team. Of course, of course. You bleed for do. your team. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah. Manny, I, I would be intrigued to find out and learning a lot about you today on the show, your passion for media, your passion for sport, mm-hmm. your passion for journalism and everything. I mean, where, where did this begin? Did you, did you grow up wanting to be a, a journalist, get involved in, in the media? This is probably going to be a bit of a long-winded answer, but I grew You're up fitting well a on ballet. this show then. That's great. <laughs> okay, good. Perfect. Okay, good. So <laughs> I grew up a ballet dancer and my sister was a writer and that was kind of like, our paths that I felt like we were on. So I ended up, um, I was in the New South Wales company and then ended up moving to Sydney when I was 15. So like, I was like very heavy ballet and contemporary dance. And I felt like, okay, well, that's my thing. And then Frances, my sister was very much just like, like ducks of the school and like um, the he- captain of the debating team. I was also in the debating team, but I, I wasn't captain of it. No. She was right. captain of it. She was just like killing it in like the English department. And I very much just thought, these are our paths whatever um and then when I got to uni I oh and so also like I didn't do really any of like the English I mean I did get (laughs) very good marks in English but I didn't do like advanced (laughs) English or anything like that because I just like felt it wasn't really for me I was I did like biography and PE and I did dance and ballet um because that was an option at the school that I went to anyway So kind of didn't really dabble too much in like that literary side. And then I went to uni again, did marketing and media comms just because I was like, media comms is cool. And then just like fell in love with media and writing. And it was like by far, like I didn't really go to my lectures except my media lecture. Like I would actually look forward to those classes. I just found it so interesting. And like media is such like an access point to society and like to talking about like bigger topics that I really care about. And it's also shaped society. And I find that really intriguing and really powerful. And there's nothing to me that kind of speaks so much to my soul and gets me quite so interested. And yeah, so at uni, I was just like plugging along, doing my essays, whatever, 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 whatever. And then I remember having a conversation with one of my friends. Um, And it just bugged me. This conversation with her just like bugged me. And she was saying just like, 
because I was in a long-term relationship and she wasn't she was like I'm not like you I just like I like to go traveling and stuff I was like why does me being in a relationship stop me from like traveling and stuff like my partner at the time is like holding me back from like being who I should be and I was just like annoyed about it so I did the very mature thing and wrote about it for the uni magazine (laughs) (laughs) wow is this what I say how very millennial of you that you're like oh I'm gonna write about this my opinion come on, I'm going to type it up. <laughs> and it was also great because she didn't even realise that like this had, like, was born out of a conversation that I had with her. She was kind of just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like, congratulations. I loved it. It was like, okay, Your fault. <laughs> a few missing leaks going on here. No worries. Um, so, my yeah, I guess my media career started with pettiness, which I love. <laughs> it does feel very millennial of me. <laughs> wow. Were you drinking a soy latte at the same time? Like just, uh, you know, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm never not drinking a soy latte. I live in Melbourne. True. I was wearing it's, like a black turtle neck. Yeah, this is a soy latte in a cape cup. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bomber just scarf around out. my neck, my usual uniform. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Um, the standard Melbourne attire. <laughs> yeah. And then I just kept writing for that publication. So it was called hijacked I think it was online and it was like Australia wide it was a national wide uni magazine and then I started writing for do you know junkie the yep yep so, so they had a uni branch so they had uni junkie when I was at uni and I used to write for them quite a lot and I was like I really like this I'm getting a lot of reward out of just writing regularly for them and like because it was a uni publication it was stuff like why you should drink green tea in the morning instead of coffee. Like it was nothing really. Although I did write one piece that I really loved, which was um, called, it was called, I can't remember, but it was all about how like the pressure to be like chill in women Mm. is like holding us back. Um, And I really like that. And that got put on their main page of Junkie and I was like, I'm good at this. So um, I just kept doing that. I didn't feel like it was a viable career option because everyone was telling me so. Um, I don't know. If Everyone's been saying that for degree. the last 20 yeah. years now. Like, don't worry. We're still here. It's fine. Newspapers oh still goodness. exist. It's okay, humans. It's fine. It's not a dying like, industry. <laughs> like, I, cause I've done my, like, so now I've done, like, I've got two degrees and a master's and I just remember like, even in my master's, which I did with an already established career, they were like, oh, like the whole, like every class would be like, don't do it. There's no jobs in it. Like you're going to have to be a copywriter instead, um, yeah. which I actually did. So I actually, yeah, went straight from uni into copywriting um, mm. and then wrote a piece for the ABC, which is like one of our main national publications. And was like, I really want to just do this. So I quit my marketing job and was like, I'm just going to build a portfolio. And then COVID happened and they ended up building a portfolio for two years, but it actually took off. So we're, we're pretty happy about that. <laughs> not COVID, obviously. No, like, no, that, that part not, taking not off. Not like, that part. Um, you know, I mean, it did take yeah. off, but not. that's not a good thing that took off, right? Oh, like that's, you know, yeah. You know, kind of just. We, Same trajectory. We yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Still is. You know, it's, it's, it's going up there. But it's, it's fascinating that I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody who's like, yeah, I was a ballerina. But now yeah. I'm like a, a writer. Like there's, there's a not a common. Writer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, which, which I've got to ask though, with being a ballerina, like was that as a kid? Were you hoping to pursue that as a professional career? Were you hoping to be like dancing at the Sydney Opera House, like as a professional ballerina, touring the world, going like like Europe and Carnegie Hall in America, places like that? Was that the the goal when you were a kid? 
it wasn't, I feel like I've always been self-aware enough to know when I'm good at something, but not great at something, if that makes sense. So like I grew up in Bathurst, which is a smallish, it's not actually that small, <laughs> down in um, like regional Hobart, right? so- <laughs> New South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in regional New South Wales, central West New South Wales. Um, and I was probably one of the best there. And then I, yeah, pursued... I auditioned for the New South Wales company and I got in and that was amazing. And like props to my dad who would drive me to Sydney and back. So that's a six hour round trip every single week so that I could be um, a part of this while I was a high school in Bathurst. And then I auditioned for Newtown School of the Performing Arts. I don't know if you um, know it, but yeah, it's like one of the main performing arts high schools uh, I got in. You can't be in the New South Wales company and at Newtown because Newtown oh. would just, it would just be all Newtown kids if that was the case, um, wow. which was kind of, because they do a lot of things together as well, which is like fine. So I let go of the company, went to Newtown. Um, and then it was where I really realized that like, I'm really good at this and I love this, um, but I don't, I'm not like obsessed with it in the same way a lot of these other people around me are. And also I'm not as good as a lot of the people around me are. And like, that was fine with me. I also didn't want the like competitive lifestyle um, that, it, it seemed to have. Um, I was just the like, que- this is not somewhere that I will thrive. Well, the question I have to ask though is if one of your friends had have been like, Marnie, you're not very good at ballet, you should probably do better. Mm. Like, no, I'm going to write about this. You watch. I'm going to you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. Like, was that maybe what you needed to pursue you to go further in it? Um, no, because I was told uh, I don't have the correct <laughs> turnout and things like that. And I was like, have you seen Tennis Stage? That's literally the main plot point. <laughs> Of that movie, she's told she doesn't have perfect turnout, and then she goes on to like set up that company with who's he, what's it like? Please, yeah. um, no, they, I mean, they because also when you go to Newtown, which is like we're just going to dance for five hours a day, have fun, it's like they're brutal, so like you get told where your areas of weaknesses are. Um, wow, so I was quite, quite aware. Yeah. Okay, I went to Newtown High in Hobart. It was an all boys high school, and we definitely did oh. ballet. <laughs> Um, but you missed out. It's the universal language that also made me look like also because you had to write like a two to three A4 page every single day of your diary, like, um, of like the class lessons and like all the different muscles you use. And blah, 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 blah. and I just laughed so much at all the essays that were just like dance is the universal language, like true, but you couldn't like show just like a clip of someone dancing to people in every single like different country in the world. they will be like, I understand exactly what's going on in Ukraine. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just very silly <laughs> yeah. to me. Well, well, maybe there's the issue though, mate. Maybe if Vladimir Putin watched some dance, then we'd be fine. Mm. Like like that guy mm. needs to watch some dance videos and then we'd be good. That's, that's, that's simple. That's so, it. That is it. Sol- yeah. Solves all the world problems. I mean, truly actually mm. like growing up in Bathurst, like you don't want to become a, you know, a car driver, like you know, racing <laughs> V8s or something along those lines. I mean, I, I, I think Bathurst, I just think of the race. Like, I mean, I'm sure most people, people do if, if you know much about motor racing or just sport in Australia but I mean was that something that crossed your mind oh they're in our backyard I may as well do that for a living yeah given um my bogan tendencies I think a lot of people when I tell them that <laughs> I'm the them, they're like so. that makes sense um <laughs> always have like Bundy at my house you know gotta be prepared um but no my family were not into car racing we used to go camping when the car racing was on so we'd rent our house out to drivers and then we'll get like money to pay for our camping trip and then we'd have to deal with like the influx of car racing fans in that town which was a lot (laughs) it was just it was a lot (laughs) that's why when like i I say like i like formula one people are like oh so you're a rev head you like like no i like formula one that's like proper 
uh, I don't like that <laughs> stuff. Like, you know, like, well, I follow Ferrari. supercars are going to come for you now. <laughs> eh, what are they going to do? Shove a Holden in front of me? They're, they're going out of business, aren't they? I don't know what's going on there. Well, uh, growing we, up, you did have to be either Holden or Ford, and I was Holden. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's what always frustrated me about, like, supercars is just that you had two to choose from. And I'm like, I don't like yeah. either. Like, like it's when Mercedes and freaking like Volvo came in board. I'm like, oh, go Volvo. Like, come on, let's go team Volvo. So you can either go for the Gold Coast Suns or Greater Western Sydney. Oh, Gold Coast. Easy. Uh, That's not even a question. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I've got roots to the Gold Coast though. Like I was in their cheer squad for a good season. So it kind of, it works a treat. Oh, it's, it's. Great, great. Like, seriously, if, you, if you're new and you're listening to this, you need to get in an AFL team, get on board the Suns. They need the support. Yeah. Like, that's, that's they they do say. need the support. They we do. They got 4,000 at the game the other day. I <laughs> know. And, and they reckon Tasmania can't sustain a team, but that's a whole other uh, mm-hmm. that's a whole other question. Which So on the sporting side of things then, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. did you grow up uh, as a sports nut? Were you, were you constantly mm-hmm. watching? I mean, I know you're, you're a football fan, you're a rugby fan and soccer fan. Like, I know you, you like these all now, but were these happening as a kid or did you sort of develop? this passion the older you got no I grew up in red and green so I grew up a rabbit I met Russell Crowe when I was like 13 which really just solidified that that was when he was doing like his like prime years if you know what I mean right. um, okay and was he good though I, was he good to you or did he yell at you no he was lovely I feel right. like you yell and throw a phone at someone one time <laughs> you get a reputation <laughs> no he was he was lovely um no, so I grew up, yeah, Dad used to take us to Rabbitoh games like all the time. Like we would do, again, the six-hour round trip to Sydney just to see the Rabbitohs lose. That was when they are in their wooden spoon days. So it was like I grew up one of those fans that's just like used to hanging out at the bottom of the ladder, which I actually like quite like. I like that feeling of being an underdog and just like every try is so important and like it's worth like winning. Where like if yep. you support a winning team, you're just like, this is boring. Not that yeah. I would know because I go from Raptors, Essendon <laughs> and Matildas. Um, but, yeah, so I grew up, like, pretty invested in sport. I never made, I never played many team sports, which surprises a lot of people now whenever, like, we're talking about, um, you know, just because I'm around sport and athletes all the time. We talk about, like, growing up, what sports we played. And I was like, ah, ballet, because I didn't make the soccer <laughs> team. I didn't make the hockey team. I didn't make the netball team i did make the touch rugby team because it was um what's it called like multi-sex gender uh Uh, both sexes in the team mixed Mixed. um and they had to let girls in or they would be disqualified so i did get to play touch at school um, (laughs) yeah literally but no um didn't play it but i did love it and then when i moved to melbourne that's when like it really took off so i'm like 18 at this point and uh, I met a boy who went Aww. to Essendon. And that's your first I red like, flag. That's why it didn't work out straight <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah. I'm telling you now, that's never going to work out, Marnie. Straight away, like, oh, I love you. You go for Essendon. Oh, that's okay, isn't it? No. <laughs> we'll move past this. Well, that's what people do to me now. <laughs> why I'm perpetually <laughs> yeah. single. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was like, I'll go for Swans because I'm from New South Wales. But, like, you know, in your heart when you just don't feel it. And I was like, I do not – I'm not feeling it with this team. This team is not the team for me. And I just happened to be going to Essendon games, like, every single week at this point with him because he would go to every single um, game. And I just fell in love with the team. And I remember there was one game where, like, I knew more stats about a player than he did. And I was like, yeah, we're here. Like, we're on, baby. Like, this is it. Like, <laughs> we are firmly on the Essendon train, like, toot, toot. 
we are not going to promise you a station, but that's okay. We'll just <laughs> keep going around. Um, and I, it was when I have always felt, felt that like sport is all those cliches, like bringing people together in community and how it really is um, almost like a spiritual thing. Yeah. Uh, I think in like, especially in like these days where like religion's on the decline, but like sport is on the incline, like it's part of feeling, you know, you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you feel included in something bigger than yourself. And that can feel, you know, a sense of like belonging and purpose and reward and all of those things that I think are really important in, in life. And I was getting all of that from, um, from sport and from following Essendon. And then I had like a really bad year. It was, um, partner and I broke up. And we'd been together for like four years at this point. I quit my job. Um, my dad had cancer. He's fine now. Um, and these things happened. And it was just like Essendon were the one thing that was like every single week, like the only thing that matters for that like three hours is like where the ball is in the air and like whose hands it lands in. And it was such like a reprieve. And it was just this like this, this only thing that was just like really getting me through. Um, but that's like, I, I still remember we beat Port and it was when Joe Danaher played with us and like, he was on the front page of the newspaper and I like got it out, like stuck it on my wall. That's <laughs> just like, like, this is just like something that's like keeping me going. Um, it, and it's my thing, like every week, instead of just being like this monotonous, like really bad time, it was like, well, when are Essendon playing? Uh, yeah. is it at the G or Marvel or like, where is it going to be? And it was just like, just, it was, the, it was my joy in like really bad times. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm firmly on like sport um and then I I did a program called making the call with Emma and Lucy race they like headed up so they did the outer sanctum which is like a AFL um MNW podcast in Melbourne and they did a course that was like to get more women into sports broadcasting roles so I was like well I'm already in the media and I really love this I really love sport let's just give this a go and then as soon as I did the program it was like I'm here now like this is what I want to do um you know, they got me opportunities, put me in touch with people um, at places like uh, Channel 7 and I wrote for like The Guardian and, and they and what they really did was like that sense of belief, which sounds really like sentimental and like kind of cliche, but it was this like, you know, you belong in this space because I, as much as I love sport, it can feel um, like it doesn't love me back constantly. I mean, when you are watching um you know, someone uh, who's pleaded guilty to sexual assault charges be like glorified by this system and by the fans and by the broadcasters. And it's like, well, I don't belong in this space. So that's what I kind of always felt was just like, uh, like, you know, I love it, but I'm also quite aware that like, this is not a safe space for me. Like I, and things have happened at games and things. I remember as as a kid, like at a Rabbitohs game, the opposition won, surprise. And then on the train back, he was like, um what about a victory fuck and he said that to me and my sister who were like 14 and 12 like you know like wow. ever since I was a kid I've like known that like sport isn't the safest place for me yeah. and I've been like very aware of that um but this program it was very much just like no you do belong here and you're just not used to like seeing people like you on the tv because there's not people like you on the tv but there should be so go and do that if you get radio spots like I remember the first time that I was asked to like a radio spot and I was just like well, no one wants to hear my voice I sound I have got a very young, high-pitched voice. And I was like, people aren't going to take that seriously. People are going to mock me. And they're just like, well, no, the only reason you think that is because you haven't heard it before. So think about all of the people like with a voice like yours that need to hear your voice on the radio talking about the AFL. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, And so that was probably the biggest thing they gave me was just this very big push of just like being in that space. We're not saying it's going to be easy, 
but you definitely belong there. And like the difference that you'll make by being there won't open the door for other people. I was like, okay, cool. So I just like kept like pushing and like the, they also, the thing that they instilled in us was because it's like this, I'm bad at numbers. Let's say there's like 15 to 20 that did the first round with me. And they very much instilled from the get-go, like it's a cohort, not competition. So we're all walking, working together, even though we're working like cross platforms or like we all want to do like the same kind of things here and there, whatever. If we're a cohort, we're not competition, which is like completely different from like all my journalism, you know, my degrees and stuff yeah. where it was just like, um, competition you central, are constantly, yeah, 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 everything is a competition. You have to beat everyone else, whatever. We're like in the women's sports space, especially it's just like we are working together, um, yeah. which, which like really kept me buoyed. Otherwise I think I would have like tapped out of this space long ago because there have been times like where um, I've had to like go to the bathroom and just like voice memo notes people from that cohort to just be like, this happened. I'm really annoyed about it. Or like even just little things like being called love. Like that is really frustrating because like, have you ever been called love in a professional sense? Not in a professional. I've been called love, but not in the sense of right? that. No, no. And I it's haven't. like, yeah. And like, like it, it's almost like hard. Um, mm. And so like they have really kept me buoyed and like that whole community is like, kept me lifted as I'm like trodden further and further and further down the sports path because I do find it really rewarding and there are certain there are lots of like inequalities within so I mostly write about um like coverage yes but then also like the bigger issues um which is really what like I get a lot of my reward and purpose and like makes my heart sing about but it also is like pretty tough and so quite often like I'll be like I'm really annoyed about this thing that keeps happening and it's so much easier to like write that down and write like a a thousand word article explaining it giving examples than having a conversation one-on-one when someone's just going to be like no you're wrong no you're wrong no you're wrong you know what I mean so um that so like even for example like I wrote a piece um this week that was about (laughs) And this is where I've really used a little bit of my degree, but it was um, about gender biases in machine learning and AI and how that is a barrier to progressing women's sport because it's like contributing to the invisibility of women's sports online. And it's like a feedback loop. And like, yes, there are reasons why men's will come up before women's. They've got, you know, 150 years versus five years, blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these reasons for it, but it is a problem. This is the problem. This is the solution yada yada and it's so much easier to like write that down and explain it out than to like call someone and be like I'm annoyed that when I google nrlw it comes up with nrl and they go well that's just how machine learning is you don't know anything you've got that voice really don't you that like with that platform (laughs) to be able to put that article out there that you can express that essentially rather than just typing or yeah saying it as you're saying like that to somebody I can't actually remember what your beginning question was. I feel like I've just like deviated and gone on a bit. Matt, Matt, this is off the podium. This is what happens. I will ask you like, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And we'll end up talking about how we really do think that the economic crisis in Burkina Faso is affecting the world more so than people are talking about. Like it's, it's a natural it's order. It's true. Yeah, yes. it really is though, isn't it? Like it really needs to, is, we yeah. need to focus on that. But I mean, on, on your website, marnivinyl.com, if people want to check it out. <laughs> um, I mean, looking at some of the, the headlines you've got here on your articles and sort of what you're touching on, uh, you've got no Google, I meant women's rugby league, not NRL, <laughs> uh, sexism in sports media, a man behaves badly and a woman pays the price. Um, if Marble Stadium can be upgraded, AFLW can surely get a boost too. And like just sort of all these sort of things which are, I guess, posing that 
question and and like what you're saying there. But I find it really fascinating that you, you seem to really be in this period now where these sort of articles and these talking points are, are much more, I guess, mainstream now, aren't they? Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, even five years ago, these weren't being talked about as much as they are now and it seems to be going on there. So, I mean, do you find that kind of as you are going further in your career that this is a great time for not only yourself but for for women to get involved in sports media because it is a lot more accessible and a lot more people, I guess, are, I don't want to say when I say listening to you as much as they were before, I'm not saying they weren't being listened to, but it's it's much more on a level which maybe it wasn't happening five years ago. Yeah, so I think that there's two parts to this. One is there is a push for increased women's coverage and the women's coverage at the moment, like, we're getting 10% of all mainstream media on a good day. Like it is not anywhere where it should be. It is a problem. But there are a lot of publications that are taking note because they really, I mean, they really have to. It's a bad look if they don't. So it's on them. They really have to. And a lot of places, I mean, the ABC have a 50-50 goal. That's that's incredible to get like 50-50 coverage. There are places like, um, you know, in The Guardian, um, the eight, I'm just going to name every publication. I'm going to leave them out. They're, they're, they're all having a push to get more women's coverage, which is amazing. They also are aware that they need women to cover women's sport because it looks bad if they don't. And like, it, it's also, it's better work if you get women to cover women's sport. And I do think that there should be a cross of like 50-50 should cover men's sport, 50-50 should cover women's sport. So non-binary people should absolutely be in that mix. But you know, uh, at the you know, like the age currently, so we're recording this mid-April. They currently have no female sports reporters, none, not wow, a single one. None. So wow. it like like it, it's a big problem, and so like a lot of places are just like, well, we need to get more coverage, and they're reaching out to freelancers. So AS, so I'm ESPN's um, AFLW writer. This season is the first season that they've like properly covered AFLW, and they're like, well, we need someone to do it. I'm like I can do it. So I, I am coming up at like a at a very good time for the I guess the progression of women's sports coverage and that's awesome also to the point now where like I can pitch things and it's being accepted where it wasn't before and like and and still not on the same level like you know there's a new captain appointancy in the AFLM and that'll get an article for sure there's a new captaincy appointment in the AFLW and most places are like man that's probably not news enough which is pretty frustrating but it, it, at least it's getting better um and there is like a, a big push from the community and also from fans being like where is this stuff so that's good and then the other one is that the culture the culture the culture is starting to change and develop um in terms of, of just like progression and like actually listening to more women and people from marginalized communities speak and they want more of that content and that includes women's sports. So I think a good one is like you gave that, like read that headline of um, a man behaves badly and a woman pays the price. So I, so that was referring to the Tom Morris Fox footy leaked audio and video content saga that happened. And I think that, yeah, five years ago, if there was leaked audio from like a main sports journalist in the Australian landscape, uh, it would have got like a series of like um, tweets about it and then probably died mm. in the water. Like it would have just been completely swept on the rug. Nothing would have happened. But like this day, especially post me too and all of that, 
it got proper attention and got looked at. So the editor of the age actually reached out to me. So this all happened at night. So she reached out to me at night and said like, hey, can you write about this? So I like submitted it at 2am and I was like worried that it was, <laughs> I don't know what that would have been like, but it was good, yeah. thankfully. Good, um, right, that's good. But like that, I don't think that would have happened five, 10 years ago. Absolutely not. Like there's no way something like that would happen. And we'd be like, oh, we need to get like more of a story on this. And we need to get the, so I talked to in that piece how, you know, that example was just a bigger example of a wider problem. And like, this is not actually about like one individual person who said some pretty heinous, like heinous stuff on a WhatsApp group and it got leaked. This is about like a wider cultural problem that like every woman that I know in women of like sports media understands deeply and is like scared of, and it's keeping women out and there's all these problems to it. But you know, it's not about him. It's about the problem that would not have been a piece five years ago and no one would have listened five years ago, I reckon. Which it's, it is fascinating just to hear, you know, that side of things. Cause like, I guess as a, as a man in, in the, the media industry, sports media industry, yeah, you're right. Like back to your question about, have I been called it? No, I haven't. Um, you know, things like that. And it's, it's interesting because I guess it takes that education for somebody like myself who, who I've never experienced and I'm not aware of it, you know, to, to hear, I guess, kind of that sort of stuff to, to move forward with that, which, yeah, there's all the, there's all those layers to it, I guess, which it's, it's. I guess we live in an age now where people can have more of an active voice about this to get it told out there. And, and hopefully that then brings change so that, you know, in another five years, it's going to be even better than it is now. Like how now is better than it was five years ago. And the cycle continues. Right. Mm. And even just like people's willingness, willingness to listen, because um, if we're using that exact case of like me writing that piece, I had a few women who I, you know, work alongside and I count them as peers, reach out to me and say, that was great. And we're really happy you did that. But we can't personally say anything because we are really scared of repercussions from our employers. And like I'm freelance, which means that I can do that, but it does hinder opportunities in the future. Um, And I, and I do really worry about it. You know, like after I had that, I, it was on my mind being like, well, if I'm speaking openly, you know, in the age about, um, sexist culture and boys club culture in sports media are channel seven gonna ask me back and i and like that piece wasn't about channel seven but like are Ma- they gonna Maddie, be like this t- is- can i interrupt you really quickly <laughs> they they hired me go back and listen to all the stuff i've said about them during rio and Pyeongchang. you're safe you're fine you're good <laughs> no but like do you feel like you know what i mean like it's really do, it's genuinely yes. like a huge fear that like so many of us have and like yeah just to be clear channel 7 is super supportive it wasn't like yeah, that piece channel 7 are great we love them culture. we love them they're we fantastic yes. but, but like it is because like well and even just like to your point like i had a meeting at like one of the main um sports networks a week before this happened and i didn't get a call back like that's like i can join the dots and stuff like that happening um so like <laughs> there is like a self-censorship problem when it comes to this stuff but there are more people listening so i did have a lot of people who I think are like quite big in sports in Australian sports media reach out saying great article, blah, blah, blah. Or like Eve, I had a few, even like a few, co- co- a few phone calls from a few men, which is like awesome. I didn't expect that to happen. I was really scared of the opposite. Um, but it, you know, so yes, there is like an increased willingness, willingness to listen, but also to an extent, like, you know, the, the, there's, I've had a lot of times where I've like written stuff and then people have been like, that's great. I can't personally share it because I will get in trouble if I do, which means that like mm. their employees aren't going to contact me ever. 
Yeah. Well, I'm saying that you're on off the podium right now, Marnie. We are now an award-winning podcast. You're fine. Yay! You're set for life. You are set for life. Congratulations. Subtle, subtle brag. Just got to say that. And then the one thing I'll say too, talking about like reputation and things like that, there's another prominent, um, I guess, sports media person in Australia called Ben Waterworth. Uh, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you've there is, yeah. Right. He does something um, in the AOW space. And everyone's like, Ben, not that Ben. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the amount of times I will wake up to abusive tweets or messages to like my email address saying, you're full of shit. What do you know about this player? Fuck you. Where do you live? And I just reply, reply back, wrong Ben Waterworth. I'm like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Sorry. And I'm like, yeah, mate. Good on you. <laughs> oh, my I got God. A, I got an it's email awesome. from Eddie Maguire's brother going off serious? at me. For an Are article that I supposedly wrote about Eddie Maguire. And I wrote back and I'm like, pleased to meet you, Mr. Maguire. Wrong Ben Waterworth. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so yeah. funny. I mean, it's not because, I mean, you don't really want to wake up with all of that. But, oh, my God. <laughs> it's it's The funniest thing is, is that we've been aware of each other for a long time. Like, it's kind of, you know, when you've got another Ben Waterworth kind of doing what you do, people know that. And when I worked at... The Mercury, he was at the Herald Sun and because we're both News Corp papers, my email address, like his email address is, and I don't think he still works there, and if he does, you can send him an email, ben.waterworth at news.com.au. Mine was ben.waterworth2 at news.com.au. So all the time I would get stuff. Or like people would be like, oh, there's two of you, are you? like, yes, there are. Like, yeah, it was. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was fun. Like, we we get it. (laughs) You're the first one to come up with this joke, surprisingly. Which, I mean, kind of on the same page but kind of transitioning into the Olympics. I mean, I know growing up as an Olympics fan, the, the only real, I, t- I feel, time that women's sport in Australia at least, and I'm sure around the world got, you know, you'd say equal coverage, was during mm-hmm. an Olympics. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because at that point I, I usually would find that gender didn't matter as long as an Australian was doing well at the Olympics. We didn't <laughs> yeah. care if they were male or female. Which, I mean, did mm-hmm. you grow up loving the Olympics as well, like a part of all the sports that you did? Or was this sort of, again, something that came to you when, as we'll get to, how you got involved with Channel 7, like that you sort of took more of a notice then as well? Yeah, I definitely have loved the Olympics. I, there's a photo of me in the, like a big photo of my sister, me and my father at the Sydney 2000 Olympics, just like covered in like zinc on the face paint. Um, I was 2000. How old I, I would have been four. I was wow. four years old. Make I, old. <laughs> <laughs> I was 13. <laughs> I still remember. Oh, oh shoot. What was her name? It was, it was a walker and we were supposed to get gold. Jane and then, Yes. We were there yep. for that. And mum and dad was like, when she's about to get gold, just like, you know, <laughs> You, so you, were you there where she got disqualified? Like, were yes. you like at the sp- we wow. were physically there. Jeez, okay. No. Big moment. Welcome to sport, sport Marty. <laughs> yeah, jeez, this is what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um. Always. Oh, I just. I love fanfare as well. I and I love. We talked about this um with the Olympics, but I mean, <laughs> when we were at the other one. <laughs> The other podcast, we're leaving. Yeah, yeah, those um, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> What I really love about the Olympics as well is just like you can be just like one-eyed completely, 100%. You are like everyone around you for the most part is all going for Australia. And yeah. that is so 
fun because like there are even times like even like with the news of like um the trade news with AFW and it's just like I'm so excited to get these players but I have to like control some of that excitement around certain people and like you've got to still be sensitive to like certain feelings that are going on like diehard Carlton fans like whatever like you've got to like mix your joy in with compassion but with the Olympics it's just like everyone around me everyone on the street everyone in the newspapers like we are all going like hardcore for Australia and that is like so fun I love that yeah. so much about the Olympics and so I've yeah I've always been like a big yeah of these sports but I used to I have memories of waking up at like three or four a.m and just sitting on the couch with hot chocolate to watch the world cup with dad like yeah um I just and like the green and gold like we've always just been like very much about it I just I love um yeah that like that huge community sporting spirit um that the Olympics really, really do have. When it comes to women in the Olympics, yeah, I mean, like, it, when I was a kid, like, I wasn't aware of, like, um, <laughs> the patriarchy and gender dynamics and blah, 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 blah. It's like sport was sport. But as I started to get older, like, it was, like, pretty prominent to me. That's um, just, like, sport is a man's thing and <laughs> that's not, you know, um, like, even like every pop culture thing you ever watch ever like if they need to give the dude an interest it'll be sport every single time and it like drives me bananas so I've like I've been aware of it but it wasn't like until I you know started to become aware uh as I got older of systems and structures and cultural biases and like all of this stuff but like it was like a huge problem and um uh, you know like Kathy Freeman like we we had our (laughs) you know there, there were women but also I think it, it is a, it was also like a huge problem when you've got people like Kathy Freeman um, and just like a select few of Australian women who have done really well because then you can be like there's a problem with like with, like we aren't giving women any platforms and you go what about Kathy Freeman it's like yeah okay like one out of the 5,000 that you've given you know opportunities like it's um, so yeah so like they were there um, but I didn't grow up. Yeah, I didn't grow up with any like female heroes, which is why I've got number twenty Sam Kerr tattoo. You do, because, yes, because it's so important to me that um, all these like young kids are growing up and they can have both women and men as role models. Like that's so exciting to me. That literally sets my heart on fire so much. Um, to well, think I would about argue in like, women's kids. soccer right now that most Australians would know more of our female players because I don't know if I can name any of our male players right now or I could probably name a few female players. So. Because, yeah, and like, because we're doing better, right? Yeah. And, like, that's how it should yeah. go and that makes sense. Like, the men should get the platform just because they're men. Like, we're doing better so we get the front page stuff. That is also an exaggeration. We're not on the front page, but, you know. <laughs> well, I think the men are getting front pages just because we probably won't make the World Cup this year, not for good reasons. But um, Right. But that wouldn't know. happen if it was the Matildas. Like, if the Matildas didn't make the World Cup, we wouldn't get the front page. Yeah, true, true. Which it is, I mean, you know, I mean, the Matildas have been much better than the Socceroos for a long time, I feel like, you know, the last, uh, it just hasn't really gotten the, the coverage right because I don't think the Matildas have ever missed a World Cup whereas I mean god I mean you probably are old enough to remember us what it was qualifying for the Men's World Cup in 2006 yeah. how much of a bigger deal yeah. that was but um yeah 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 and like to be fair the Matildas aren't like smashing it like it, it's pretty chaotic um we got kicked out of the Asian Cup that we were supposed to win in like a quarterfinal and um we 
we just had friendlies and we beat New Zealand, but like we didn't beat US or and and we're ranked twelfth in FIFA, <laughs> so we got dropped. Like we're like we're not in the tenth anymore. So Matilda's not doing that well, but they put a lot of effort into building the building who the Matildas are with their fan base in the community, and to see that actually like. Which it's right. it's obviously with the World Cup being in Australia next year, it's it's, it's obviously, mm. I mean, I'm not there at the moment. I mean, being here in the US at the moment, there's a bit of stuff happening with the men's one being here in 2026. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah, I can imagine the, the short period I was back in Australia, I could see what it was doing already for the, the country and the sport. And I've seen a lot of yeah. written promotional material in the last week or so popping up on my social media about sort of the, the World Cup there. So, um, I mean, that that's – I mean, how excited are you for that, Marnie, the, the Women's World Cup being in Australia next year? I'm very excited. I, I, I just I, – it is important to me to just, like, make clear that, like, I'm in the spaces, which is why I'm seeing this stuff. The promotion for the World Cup has been pretty poor. Um, I'm at, Like, I even, like, was at a game with someone who, like, is a pretty decent fan of being like, oh – are we having the World Cup next year? Like they didn't even they didn't even wow. know because it's not put in our face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you ask anyone on the street, they would have no idea the World Cup is in Australia That's next year. I met someone here who actually I I'll be honest, it was a date, and she was like Yay! she was a she was a big um, soccer fan, and she actually like she travelled with it like US team. Like she'd been to the last like two or three World Cups because she just was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. So she's like, yeah, like I'm already planning my trip to Australia next year because I'm mm. that obsessed with it. So she was very much aware. So there are people over here at least that know about it, money. I'll tell you that. Well, I think it's like if you are in the soccer community, right, you would know about it. Like if she's if she's travelled with women, like she's going to know about it because she was following them. It's just like if if the World Cup was in America next year. I would know about it because I would want to go see my Tillies beat them in their home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they're, they're, I mean, the soccer over here is just happy that the men's team made the World Cup for the first time in like eight years. So that's, you know, I'm on board with like, you know, just Canada making the men's World Cup for the first time in like, you know, we're going to be doing an episode on that later this year just because we've never covered the World Cup before. But, you know, got to keep those Canadian side of things there too. But it's, it's, just back to your sort of your history with the, the Olympics and then sort of mentioning about how you're watching it. You obviously then go on to work with Channel 7 during Tokyo. Obviously, you and yes. I met during Beijing. So going back to what you're talking about, how you got into media and everything along those lines and those connections. Mm-hmm. So tell us how that all came about then working with it and then going back to you, as you're saying, growing up, loving these moments of Australia coming together. Was this sort of like a, a dream come true that you could then work on, you know, iconic broadcaster Channel 7 who are the home of the Olympics in this country and get a chance to – Bump shoulders with Bruce McAvaney and people like that. I mean, I shared an office with Ian Thorpe. So, yeah, oh, I Jesus, told every single person right. that I knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once he was like playing K pop and he was like, Marnie, do you like this? And I was like, I do. It's also really hard to concentrate. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm going to tell Ian Thorpe. You told Ian Thorpe. Turn the off. music down. <laughs> so I was like, this is genuinely annoying. It was strange. Like, there, was that t- there was a time, though, actually, where like there was two commentators that I admired very, very greatly in the office and they were talking so loudly and I couldn't hear my boss on the phone and I just turned around and be like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Could you just like <laughs> shh a little bit? Who were they, Marnie? Who were they? Can you tell me who they were? Yeah, they were, they're also like amazing people. So they're like, oh my God, we're so sorry. And also because commentators are just like very loud people, they didn't even notice. It was Georgie Parker and um, Alistair. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, shh. Um, shut up, Georgie, shut like, up, Alistair. <laughs> that I like love <laughs> and admire. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, do me get you a coffee? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> 
Thorpey, play more K-pop. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. It's so funny. Oh my that God, makes me really this? happy. I just, I just, every time I hear K-pop yeah. now, I'm just going to think of Thorpey. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And because um, he was like, oh, do you do you like this? And I was like, oh, like I'm not going to say no. This is a chance to bond with Thorpey, but I don't really know much about K-pop. So I was just like, oh, like pink, pink something. I can't yeah. even remember. But I was like, oh, yeah, I love this band that I'd heard because they've done uh, like mashup. A mashup, a collab. <laughs> Yeah, with yeah. Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yep. so, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I really like this band. And he was like, oh, yeah, cool. And I was like, sweet. That's usually how, like, Psy, Gangnam Style, best song ever, right? Like, that's that's K-pop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, but, yeah, I got into the Olympics because um, Andy Ma, um, so his wife is Emma Race, who was, like, um, did that, uh, making the call. And, like, it's a bit of a mentor for me in the space. Um, and I remember, I still remember, I was, like, sitting on my couch and I got a text from Emma Race saying, uh, Channel 7 need some researchers and writers for the Olympics. Do you mind if we put your name forward? And I was like, um, I'll have to check my schedule. So I was like, yes, please. <laughs> no, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, sorry. Um, and then, yeah, they put my name forward um Andy Ma obviously carries his name carries a bit of weight around Channel Seven. Um Smart cop probably man as well, helped. Andy. Very intelligent <laughs> yeah. football team. Yep. Um and then yeah, just had a few conversations with Nick Farrow, the EP at the time in sport. Um and I uh, was a researcher but a researcher writer so I did um the daily preview to get all the stuff ready for like host producers everyone in the morning which I really appreciated because it meant that I could actually um also like put a little bit of personality into that which was nice and fun um but yeah I I still remember like driving in on my first day being like I don't know if I can do this like I'm so nervous I'm so scared like this is the Olympics um yeah. and I'm just like we little me but I remember driving in and like straight away, they made me feel like super welcome, super comfortable. Like uh, they also give you like a lot of like time to prep, I feel in those beginning days, especially because like the Olympics, like they start with like a few days of like um, before the actual opening ceremony. And like, so you got a little bit of like breathing space before like the whole thing kicked off. But Tokyo was wild. Like it was so busy and so chaotic. Um, the days were so long, but they didn't, feel that long like I was working like 10 11 hours getting home like 2 3 a.m um and like that was it like it was just like wake up eat my breakfast go in and also because like they were super supportive so like I would be like oh if I come in like two hours earlier can I just like sit in on the swimming commentary and just like watch and they're like oh, of course so I spent like a lot of time outside of my, you know, rusted on 10 hours, just like also just being there so that I could be there because it was like three weeks of working on the Tokyo Olympics that like I would never get ever yeah. again. Um, and I, I, and I love that stuff. Like I love watching how other people work, like just to sit in the back of the um, swimming commentary and just like, you know, Leslie, um, Leslie, Oh, Lisa Jones is like quite composed and like she's so confident in like what she knows. So like when it's her time to speak, where like Thor- Thorpe will kind of like he's very animated, even though it's like just like commentary, so he's not visually, but he's very animated and like so Baz. Yeah, it I got a lot out of just being there and just like watching other people work and how they work and how they and how they prepare. Um just going through really it. Really cool. 
Which did you, mm. were you then also, so you say you go in like early to sort of witness it, but you, were you there also like, so say Ariane Titmus is swimming. So you're like, I want to be there to witness the commentators. Like this is going to be a moment that will be replayed in sporting history forever. You're always going to hear Baz and Thorpe and Liesl calling this in 20 years time. Like you were in the box when, yeah. you know, to become a legend, you've got to beat a legend, you know, these great things that Basil's saying. So you could be there yeah. for those moments. Yeah, well, some part, yes, yeah, some part, no, because it also just, like, I, I would get home, like, 3 a.m. Sometimes I wouldn't go to sleep until 4, and Ariana was on at 10 a.m. So I watched that from a couch, and I cried, and it was so, it was, it, it's just, it's like, surreal feeling of, like, I remember being on my couch, had a coffee, watched it, I, I cried when she got a goal and I drove into the studios and like, that's where they called it. Like it was just this very yeah. surreal of just being like, I was just like there part, like I was watching it with the whole of Australia, you know, chatting with like all of my friends who were like also watching it. Blah, blah, blah. And then I like, go in to the studios and like, that's where that right happened. Like, it was just, yeah. it's so, it was, yeah, it's so surreal. And like, it's also a good reminder of like how big the thing is that you're working on and how it's- it feels. It is fascinating with those things, how you put it that way, because I know like particularly when I was like stuck in a hotel with COVID um, and yeah. I would be watching things and I'd be like, oh, it's just around the corner that that's, you know, happening. And like I think watching Jakarta yeah. and Gold, I'm just like, well, they're just over the road basically commentating that right now. Um, but, we're, we're, okay, here's one for you. Were you in studio when Basil gave the great, the iconic line of we're all going gobbledygook for Zach Stubbledy Cook? Like I'm jealous <laughs> if you were in the room with that because that was iconic Australian commentary. No, because I can't remember what I tweeted, but I remember tweeting something like, stick a fork in me, I'm cooked for stubbly cooked. Something like, <laughs> or like, stick a fork in me, I'm stubbly cooked. I think I tweeted something like that and I was like, that's good. And then I get into the office and everyone's like, raving up Basil's line. I was like, okay, Basil. <laughs> Come on, mine was better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wow. going to find I don't know why I got Twitter out. I'm going to find that. Yeah. Um, it was ages it's ready ago. to go. I've been sitting on a podcast <laughs> yeah. waiting for someone to it's, ask me. Yes, Ben, there it is. I haven't tweeted anything since because yeah. I've just, I just wanted to get the attention it deserves. <laughs> been waiting like eight months for this moment. Now's my time yeah. to, to share yeah. my tweet. But you, you're talking about, you know, Thorpey, Georgie Park, Alistair. Did you meet Bruce and do you have any Bruce stories for us today? Because, like, I always – anybody here who's, like, breathed the same air as Bruce – and I know he came in one of the days I was off with fucking COVID. No. Did you Did you bump uglies with Bruce and, and how was he? I met – I didn't bump uglies with Bruce, <laughs> but I did meet Bruce. <laughs> I don't know where that sentence came from in my head. I've been sitting on that for a hundred odd episodes waiting to say the words bump uglies on off the podium. Oh, my God. Came out. Um, yep. No, I met him a few times actually um, and it is, it is so interesting just like the – air changes a little bit I think everyone's kind of like genuinely treats him you know rightly I guess because of who he is as like almost royalty it's very interesting um he is one of the nicest most genuine men uh I have ever 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 met and also because like you know a lot of commentators and a lot of people in those roles are super extroverted they are constantly like performing for the people around them when they're on there, when they're off it, especially like there's something like the Olympics where like all the hours get meddled into one and it's 3 a.m. and they're like cracking some jokes. You're like, you don't have to do that. We're like literally yeah. just like making a cup of tea. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but like, but like Bruce was just like so different where he was just like, so he, he had like, he has such like a calming 
energy and like genuinely so lovely so like he met me and then the second time he met me he like remembered my name like who I was and I was like hey there's like so many people working on this broadcast and you are you like that is pretty incredible that's insane insane and then like there were even times like I would be because I was getting things ready for the um the day the you know morning of like the next morning so like I would be the only person left in like the commentator and researchers room at like 12 30 when he was going home and he would like make the effort to like walk to my office and like open the door and be like good night oh wow he did not have to do that. Like no one else did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Georgie just Parker, Alison Nicholson. <laughs> because we're all just like working such like long, long hours. Like um, just very, very genuine. And then when he came in for Beijing, which is like Tokyo was June, July? July. Yeah, July. July. Yep. And then mm. Beijing is February yeah. the following year. And like he's met me like a handful of times, and also like I'm a lowly researcher. I think researchers are amazing and beautiful and wonderful, and they do such important work. But you know what I mean when I say that. Um, And he remembered who I was. It was like lovely to see you. Yeah, I was like that is incredible. Like like meeting him's enough, but then to have him remember you is like just another level, right? (laughs) Yeah, and it also it was like it. Because it's going to sound so wanky. It gave me, like, faith in, like, who we idolize. <laughs> <laughs> because we idolize so many dickheads in this country that, like, to have Bruce up on the pedestal he is and to have him, like, oh. genuinely a lovely human. I was like, yes, Australia, yes. Solidifies <laughs> it. Just See, like, Stephen Bra- I met Stephen Bradbury for the first time, like, on, like, a Wednesday. I met him, like, two days later on a Friday and didn't even remember who I was. He's like, oh, I'm Stephen, how are you? I'm like, dude, you met me two days ago. Like, I don't like- know if I should um, say, say this, but I, I, I'm going to anyway. So I remember Stephen Bradbury sending on, like, he WhatsApped me a – also, like, he had my number because he needed to call if he was in commentary and needed anything. He, like, WhatsApped me – a speed skating video at like 12 30 at night was and then the following day was like how cool was that video and i was like it was good like I'm, i don't know <laughs> then you had to have drinks with him on his 20th anniversary so i see the tears of research and respect at Stephen. but thanks Stephen. he was on the show like two weeks ago so um you know. <laughs> i'm sure he also had many stories about me obviously yeah. oh that's all we talked about on our interview you didn't listen uh, to it yeah. clearly money what do you what do you <laughs> did you <laughs> did you have a favorite moment during Tokyo and, and sort of like, uh, you know, like any moments at all that kind of just stood out for you on, on top of everything? Oh, yeah. Um, so um, Channel 7 provide breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. It's great. The dinner, it was a bit different Beijing. The dinners were just, I don't even know how to explain why they were different. They were just different. And there was one night. On the hat on the sign, it's going to be special Noki. And me and my friend Hannah, so Hannah worked there. She was on um, Shinya, like the night program. Yep. So like we yep. would often cross over like in those nights. Here is and like sometimes have dinner together. And we were like, oh my God, special Noki, that sounds like heaven. And then we get it. And it's just potato gems. <laughs> like tomato sauce. <laughs> That's very well played, Channel 7. felt <laughs> <laughs> like. It just felt like the pinnacle of like working at those games <laughs> where it's just like we laughed so hard and like Hannah was like genuinely like devastated. It was just like this is 
fucked. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, what? It's special knocky? Special knocky? It's just potato jams. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny and such like this moment of like, we're kind of like losing our minds a little bit. And just to be served, this like <laughs> meal was just, it was so fun. And, and we ate it and we watched Harry Garside. He was on oh, at yeah. that point, remember? Yeah. Yep. yep. Good on Harry. And just this mute moment of like community. <laughs> Eating your special knocky, sure, you know. That's, like this cafeteria, wow. like late at night, we're like in, in like the magic and the hype and everything that is beautiful <laughs> and wonderful at living. And then like, I don't it really stuck out to me just because it was one of those moments where it's just like, this is like everything that's going on right now is just a bit wacko. <laughs> that's great. And so, and so was that then when they give you the call to be like, Marnie, come back for Beijing where you're like, is there going to be special knocky? I asked the question, they could not answer me, and I was like, okay, well, I need it in my contract. <laughs> I was going to say, you get it written into your contract. I will only do this if there's special knocky three days yeah. a week. That's it. That's all I want, okay? In my own office with Bruce McAvaney, remember my name every day. That's, That's all I want. It's not asking Ian that much. Did you have a favorite K-pop? meal? <laughs> Did I have a favorite meal? Hmm. Um, that's a good question because uh, I could only taste them for the first week. Um, oh, yeah, so bummer. I... Actually, they had that. I love that one where they're like, "Oh, homemade KFC," and it was just, it's just fucking chicken strips, guys. Like, I mean, you can call them chicken strips. <laughs> like, also, is that a, like a copyright infringement? I feel like you yeah. can't be like, "We're having KFC tonight," and it's not no, Kentucky Fried not. Chicken. You're just having chicken it's strips. Your version. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't have a hamburger. I normally, call it McDonald's. Um, like, if I, I want to say, like, "Come over," I'm ordering Domino's, and it's just like my <laughs> shitty handmade pieces. <laughs> Um, I the the um they had those pulled pork sliders were pretty good. The, I think that was like mm. the first day they had those, and um the the nachos mm. were not bad. Um, so yeah. actually they did do a pasta. There was a pasta one day they did, and they had gnocchi, like proper gnocchi. That was quite good. So um, mm. yeah, mm. there was a, like I honestly like I didn't I didn't find anything was bad. One of the days I was stuck in the hotel, the um the lady from was it Laura Lauren. Uh, from Channel 7 was like, oh, you know, like, um, we'll, we'll send you a meal over if you like. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't have to do this. She goes, no, no, they're on the way. They'll bring you something, you know, whatever. Oh, that's so S- sweet. Dropped it at my door and I actually don't know what it was. <laughs> I think it was written like chicken stew or something. And I'm just like. Chicken this? stew? Oh, Ooh. I don't know if it was stew. It was chicken something. And I was just like, this is not what they're advertising. Like I had like three <laughs> bites. I'm like, thanks, Channel 7, but I'm good. <laughs> I thought of my, I, I'm so sorry to like turn this straight back around me, but I thought of my it. other big moment. <laughs> Yes, I'm excited. When the bombers, when no. the bombers, my brain is bananas. Actually, we did actually beat Western Bulldogs and we're going to the finals. And I did remember putting that on when I was alone one day in the room. But anyway, um, no, when the boomers got our bronze and it was Andrew Gaze and... L- uh, Lisa Salaker, Andy Meyer. Are you talking about um, Shinya? He's a really or? tall basketball player for us. Andrew Bogan. Yes. Yes. So it was them commentating, and they came, and then they came out of um, the commentary room. I'm telling the story bags. I can. I'm forgetting all of the important details. We came out of the story, and we played that song. (laughs) That song. I love that song. Great song. My favorite. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyway, we played a song. Sing it for us, um, Marty. Them. (laughs) I find it on my socials. But and then Andrew Gay's like fist bumped, and like we're having a party because we've just won bronze. Like this is so exciting. Our first medal. Um, for the Australian men's basketball, and yep. like, I fist pumped Andrew Gaze, and then that footage got put on Channel Seven, and they fucking cropped me out. Oh, god damn it! You got on with boom, Bradbury's boom, photo boom, though. Boom, boom, boom. 
shake the room. I think. Oh, right. Because okay. it was like there boomers. Boom. Yep. I, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Will Smith. Yeah, that's, that's topical. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> that was appropriate that you were kind of doing life. a physical contact with a hand to that song. Probably makes sense that, uh, you know, yeah. precursing Will Smith there. But, um, I mean, so Andrew, Andrew Bogle there, of course. See, this is the thing. Like, I'm not to take away from my Beijing experience because I, I loved it and I loved interacting with everybody, meeting the people, all that sort of stuff. But, mm. I mean, you kind of got both it. So you you got Thorpey. You you got Andrew Bogut, you know. I think you had a picture on your socials with Anna Mears from memory. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like Bruce was there, Basil was there, Basil was in Perth for Beijing, so I didn't get to meet Baz. Like, I mean, you you got a you know, pretty good creme de la creme there of some people there, Marnie. Like You're you know. forgetting the creme de la creme of the whole crop. Uh oh. Dean Hewitt. Oh, of course. Yes. You got you got to meet him after I'd left, that's right. Um, and because you, you met Dakara as well, did you? Did you meet? I did um, not. I didn't because she was the, her team were very like COVID uh, uh, precautious, which makes sense. So it was like no one kind of go near her unless you absolutely have to. And I was like, you know what? What about Jackie gonna... Narricock? Because she was there in that weekend. Yeah, that I got I a photo well. with her and her silver medal. See, that was because, like, the, 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 I'm not trying to make this, like, boohoo Ben, but, like, literally, I get COVID, Bruce comes in. I then, also on that weekend is when Jakara came in and somebody else came in on the Sunday, I think, when I was not there as well. But then the, I got sent home on the Friday, so then that weekend they had uh, Tess Cody came into the studio, yeah. then they had Jackie, then Bruce came in on the Sunday to do the closing Ooh. ceremony. And I'm like, I love you, Channel 7. Thank you for giving me a job, uh, paying me for doing something that I love doing. But you could have kept me two more days so I could have been fanboying yeah. out over these things. And uh, anyway, um, speaking of Dean Hewitt, we did a great interview with him and Tali a couple of weeks ago, so you can listen to that. So uh, at least got to talk to him. I assume again he mentioned me, and oh, it was absolutely. a little from yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he was just like, oh my god, that that one researcher Ben, what's her name? Um, she's really like cute, but she goes for bombers. I don't know about that. So you know, like yeah. <laughs> but but so it was when, actually yeah. No, you finish that if you want to. But anyway, uh, Beijing. But I, we're doing really well at this money. The, the the way that we can keep saying, like, finish it and then I'll jump in anyway. Um, really, we should start a podcast. This would go very well. Um, mm-hmm. Beijing comes about. Do they do they say to you at the end of Tokyo, like, you're so good, Dean Hewitt's going to be talking about you in six months. Um, you know, do you want to come back? Or, like, was it a case of you're calling them? Like, hey, guys, I'm available. <laughs> like, make me do this. Um, you know, was that always something that you kind of was a possibility for you to return because the winters were so close to the summers? Yeah, I definitely left um, being like, this was amazing. If you want to have me back for anything, <laughs> I'm more than available. I'm around. <laughs> I'm around. I'm just doing my thing. Um, and, and they were like, yeah, 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 really cool. Winters are coming up, so we'll get in touch. So it was always like in the back of my brain of like, they're going to ask me back for winter. But I didn't <laughs> believe it until they actually did it. Um, and yep. it was very exciting when that happened. But, yeah, Which, it was just, we- yeah. I was going to say, we talked talked a lot about sort of your winter experience during Beijing when we had those great little recordings in your very hot car. Uh, They Mm. were fun. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I don't have air conditioning. The Mm. Marnie Mobile, is that what it's called? Um, Well, no, because it's it's a um, RAV4, so it's called Ravioli. Oh, of course. Sorry. Special ravioli. Uh, does it have tomato sauce on top of it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, just lumps of pasta yeah. <laughs> yeah. with tomato sauce on top. Which, I mean, obviously we talked during those games, but now that it's been a couple of months, you obviously uh, were there for a couple of longer days than I were. I mean, can you compare working on Beijing to Tokyo? Like obviously mm-hmm. Tokyo, as you said, was a lot more busy, a lot more stressful. Beijing was a little bit more relaxed, but 
I remember talking to you during those games and you were saying that you were excited because these are sports that maybe you'd never really paid attention to. So you were learning a lot. So can you reflect now a couple of months later and go, okay, well, Beijing was better. Tokyo was better, you know, something like that. Yeah. Well, Tokyo was good in the sense that um, Melbourne and Sydney were locked down. I can't remember the rest of Australia, but it was very much in those like deep COVID times where everyone was really just like sitting on the couch watching the Olympics, which was amazing and fun. And everyone was like rejoicing in these athletes and these joy and in these events. And it was really cool to have like text messages from like my friend's parents being like, I'm loving the Olympics. Everyone was watching, everyone knew what was going on. Like, you know, if I put on my socials, just like the boomers are playing today. Like everyone kind of knew who was, you know, that that was happening and that was going on. Where like in the reverse for winters, um, it was in that incredibly busy sports period in Australia I assume everywhere but in Australia you know you've got the A4W you've got the A-League you've got the cricket you've got like so much going on um that unless you're like a winter sports fan yeah there, there, there was there was a lot less people watching it and a lot less like just hype within um the world that I live in for it and it it, it was a little disappointing when you know when I was just like oh my god Jakara Anthony got the our first gold and you know my friend's like who and I was like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, I, was at the, I went to that when I went to that basketball game, and that was when Tess had won the bronze at me. And I was talking to these people at the basketball, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so like Australia won our first medal at the Olympics this morning. And the guy was just like, oh, oh, the Olympics on, are they? And I was like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it was definitely like a very different mood shift. But because Tokyo, we had like 400 and something athletes, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a lot of just like um, this person's on now they're off sometimes not even like you know it's just like uh, we have so many different events going on in the day and it's like 40 different Australians on today and like you just have to be aware of like where they are and like if they're going to progress and if they're not like what's happening but with winters it's like okay well, we've got like one athlete on today which means that you get yeah. to know like their story and their backstory and like their chances and like their competitors and like how they're going to do and you get to watch it and you get to like really find out more about them. So Tokyo was really cool in those like really big moments that happened, you know, actually Peter Boll um, was on my flight the other day and it was, oh. I was like, ah, that's Peter Boll. I had, a, <laughs> I had, um, I had Riddy and Cowley on my flight from Melbourne to Doha. And it was really interesting oh, because cool. there was like the, this whole group of people wearing like green and gold track suits. I'm like, what, what, what is this? What's going on? And I had just seen on Instagram that the athletics team had gotten new uniforms. I'm like, Hey, Hey, Hey. And then I saw that they were going for like the, the world walking champion. Anyway, I, I'd interviewed Ridian and I was going to like, was that awkward going up to him in on the middle of the flight going, Hey, Ridian, I interviewed you. I'm like, yeah, no, he's sleeping. I'll leave him. So anyway, yeah. Sharing stories. Here, yeah. <laughs> I was a, I was flying at like six thirty the other day, and I saw one of like um my favorite AWW players who like I have spoken to before. But I was like, you know what? It's six thirty in the morning. They probably don't want me and my chirpy little face in their face. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I, but but yeah, and so you know, with summers there was you know these few stories that are really great and cool, and like you you kind of were absorbed in like they're very um you know just a little promo clip of like their backstory or whatever it is or like who they are and why they're here. Um, and then like the actual event that happened and that's kind of like lodged in your memory, which is amazing and great. But for winters, like I know so much about these athletes and like, I feel more invested in them and their stories and their sports because I got to spend more time with them and researching them and find out more about them. You know, and for some athletes that's really cool because you're like, you have an amazing story and 
I like your philosophy. Some athletes, you're like, ah, you're not so happy about, you know, <laughs> vaccines, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like a very big difference where it was just like summers felt like the whole country were really there with you and that was cool. But for winters, like you got to spend more time with the athletes. So that was cool. Which I guess then moving forward, obviously, as you say, like after Tokyo, hey, hint, hint, Beijing, but is it now yeah. a case of Commonwealth Games? <laughs> I mean, it's sort of, I know I kind of got asked like, hey, like if you're around, like we'd love to have you back. And just going to say, you're better at your job than I am, Marnie. So I'm assuming oh, you're, you're on the- correct. That is incorrect. Just- the amount of people that raved <laughs> about you. And I was like, no, he's outdoing me. <laughs> like, about your I deliberately said that so you would know. say that so people know that I'm good oh. at my job. So shut up, Colin and uh, Jared. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but, I mean, Commonwealth Games, is that something that, like, now you sort of you look towards as well? Is it something that potentially you can go back and, and work on? Because, I mean, that I can imagine is another different experience in itself because you've got Tokyo, as you said, you've got all these athletes, certain amount of day, Beijing, you've got less athletes, but... Commonwealth Games, like, not only do we have, like, 50 athletes a day, all 50 of them are winning fucking gold medals. So, like, it's kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. you've got to get used to it. Oh, only 20 gold medals today. Disappointing day for Australia. <laughs> and the, and then the following Common Games is in Victoria and yeah, Melbourne. So, like, course, yes. very exciting stuff. Um, yeah, I would love to work on the Com Games. I have, a, I, have, I have, like, a few roles that I'm in conversations with. So, oh, um, promotion money. Okay. No, I'm saying like I can't talk <laughs> about it <laughs> ah, because I okay. don't know anything yet. Yeah. Um, so, so you're hosting them basically. You're you're the new Bruce. Bruce likes you that yeah, yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the new because I've just got like that same calm energy. <laughs> yeah, 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 very yeah. much so. You say special a lot, delicious. It's just it's there. It just works. Yep. I like saying, well, apparently I say gorgeous a lot, which is surprising. Oh. Like my friends tell me this. It's surprising because I don't know how to spell it still. Wait, you don't it's know how to spell words, gorgeous? It's one of those words where, like, I rely 99% on spelling and grammar to fix it for me. Like, I'll, I, I I know roughly how it's spelled to the point. Oh, like give it, it to just, us. Come on. It'll just give fix it. it. Try it. Well, I swear, right like, how it, like, G-O-R-G. Yes, yep. I don't know. <laughs> oh, E-O-U-S. Oh, O-U-S. so close. <laughs> so close. That one. Once I actually, I was typing really fast and I spelled it so incorrectly, it <laughs> autocorrected to whorehound. And oh. that was sent to my friend yep. like, good morning, whorehound. <laughs> <laughs> Is that their new nickname now? Like, hello, whorehound. Yeah. How you doing? Happy Tuesday. <laughs> how, how, how's Horrible. Life? Whorehound. Horrible. Um, yeah, so we'll see um, what happens. But I would, I yeah, love to. It's exciting though to think that yeah, like I don't think we've actually done an episode since Victoria were officially confirmed as the Commonwealth mm. Games for for two thousand and twenty six. Which um, I mean, look, it's great that Australia gets it, but at the same time, it's like, come on, give it to Tasmania. Like third, well, not even Tasmania. Like, give it to Canada or New Zealand. Like, it's the third time Australia's had it no. in twenty years. Like, share it around a bit um, more, Commonwealth. No, where is your? Patriotism I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to think of like you know okay bugger New Zealand sure screw them but like Canada like I mean they haven't had it since '94. <laughs> it should always be in Australia. I don't know what you're talking about. You're well, if that's a case. Tasmania will get it one day. Um, which again, I'm still miffed that like the Tasmanian Premier was like puts in a bid and they're like this is groundbreaking. I'm like dude, I created the Hobart Olympic bid in 2010. Come on, where's my credit for that idea? Uh, I like, it's also like I was about to be like, have you been to Tasmania? My brain is a bit no, slow never. this morning. I've never um, heard of it. Where is that? 
But like the sporting community is awesome there. The fan base for like sports is so sick in Tasmania and so much talent comes from Tasmania. Just fucking give them a piece of the pie already. Because we're so like, starved for it. We're like desperate. Have you been to Tasmania before, Marnie? Have you been there? <laughs> yes. okay. Yeah, my sister worked in Launceston. Um, oh, that's not real She worked at the examiner. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that doesn't count. And <laughs> Bruni Island, we did like yeah. a family holiday there. Yeah. Okay. Been to um, the Mona, obviously, because I'm from Melbourne. Uh, so like you don't go to Tasmania without getting a photo of like the vagina wall. Um, what about the poo machine? Like you, you got to love um, the poo machine. No, didn't didn't, didn't like it or didn't see it. Didn't see it. You didn't. How did you not see the poo machine? It's a whole room. Like it's you know no. Oh, that's the best part. Who cares about the vagina wall? I'm all for the poo machine. <laughs> I'm so bad at like museums and stuff. I always miss the mate. Like I love the NGV, but I'm never seeing what you're supposed to see there. I always be like, it was so, wasn't that like light room, the best at like the waiting room to get into like the coffee, <laughs> the cafe. I, like, I, oh, I, okay. I only had to do the NGV. I did that once just because that was the weekend that the Grand Prix got cancelled because of COVID. So I was in, a, I was there for the weekend. I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do for three days? I don't fly home till like Sunday. Like, oh, the NGV. I've never been there before. Why not? Um, it's great. So, yeah. Now you got to go back to Mona just for the poo especially. machine. The poo machine is all you go to Mona for. Like that's it. You know, it's it's that's all you're there for. Um, got some closing questions that we like to ask all our guests in just a moment, but um. Manny, you disappointed me a little bit when I got you on the show back in February because you you, you told this thing about how, like, I'm great with jokes. I'm so good yeah. with jokes. I can yeah. tell jokes. It's been, like, two months. Yeah. And you've been on this show now for more than an hour. I'm really hoping yeah. you've got some jokes for me. Did you bring any jokes today? Well, I have been, like, very deathly ill. I literally woke up this morning <laughs> being like, oh, you got to Google something, I reckon. I'll just tell you, oh, you can't see it because it's a podcast. Okay. I am currently holding up my left arm. Yes. <laughs> Why doesn't the queen wave with this arm? I, I don't know, Manny. Why doesn't the queen wave with that arm? Because it's my arm. <laughs> oh, That's my favourite. I yep. have I told you my scuba diver one. Uh, I, maybe, but let's let's try it again. I, I always like to hear a repeat joke. Okay. Why do scuba divers fall backwards off the boat? I don't know. Why do they fall backwards off a boat? Because if they fell forwards, they would still be in the boat. <laughs> Another banger. Yep. Why don't ants get sick? I don't know. Because they have little antibodies. No. <laughs> That's a sciencey and adorable. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going to steal those because I think all my jokes are just inappropriate. Um, <laughs> why? Why did the child fall off the swing? Because her sister threw a fridge at her. That's what my no. sister, my, that's what my sister said to me. Because she had yeah. no arms. Um, oh, that's <laughs> like funny. Like it's that's just, just sad. Actually, hang on. There's two that I know that are kind of they're, they're not you know whatever. What what are hundreds and thousands? Numbers. Smarty droppings. You know, little sprinkles. Smarties, oh, okay. Yep, yeah, 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 very okay. good. <laughs> and, and, and what do you get if you walk under a cow? A pat on the head. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not very good. Um, yours are better. You win. Uh, <laughs> how are Essendon doing? Can we talk about jokes? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I saw one headline that was like um, Essendon with a good performance in Melbourne Comedy Festival. I was like, that <laughs> is funny. <laughs> I like the ones that to date when we're recording this. It's after Tom Hawkins did the dive. 
So they've got the whole shooting stars. And then they I saw one today. It was like they did like uh, in the Oscar goes. So they had like Jennifer Lawrence like yeah, reading out the things. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was so like, funny. So clever. Oh, Tom Hawkins. Now there, there's a, yeah. I, I was at the Grand Prix one year. We were doing media and my friend who was like working with me, massive Geelong fan. So we're in the media mm. center. And he's all like, I'm just going to stay here. And I think it was the year that Arnold Schwarzenegger was coming. So, like, I stood I stood out kind of, like, near this fence area to, like, look at all the media and see if I could see Arnie. And before he was there, like, literally standing, like, a metre in front of me on the other side of the fence was Tom Hawkins. He was just standing there, like, waiting for Arnie. So, like, I text my he's friend. He's a like, tall Shh. man. He is. He's pretty, pretty attractive, man. That's a beautiful man right there. But I'm there, yeah, like, yeah. going to my friend, like, <laughs> come outside. Your man's here. And he's like, who? And I take a photo and zoom, he runs out. Oh, Tommy, how you doing? And he's like, oh, hey. That's so funny. <laughs> Similarly, I ran into one of my favourite um, Essendon players at a club at about 4am. That that's a photo that you showed me, isn't <laughs> it, on same. your um, social yeah. media, right? You know, yep, cool. <laughs> did, did he remember your name, like, if you saw him again? Like, I yeah, well, saw so what you. happened is, like, my <laughs> other friend went up to him um, and was just like, oh, my God, you're this person. And I went up to be like, I'm sorry, you're enjoying your night. That's really annoying people do that. Like, let's go. And then this player just like looks up at me and he goes, hi, I'm and gave me his first name. Just like to shake my hand. And I was just like, well, I clearly know who you are based on this conversation. But great. Nice to meet you. <laughs> that, that was like when, when I met Stephen Bradbury for the day. Hi, I'm Stephen. Like, yeah, I know. How you doing? Ian? Ian Thorpe. When he says like, hi, I'm Ian. Ian? Ian. Ian doesn't You're Thorpey. You. Yeah, you're Ian Thorpe. Yeah. And you know what? You know what, Thorpey? I think you're fully sick. Uh, <laughs> bring back his ad that he used to. Was that Uncle Toby's or whatever? Like Thorpey says, it's fully sick. Oh, oh my bring God. that back into vocabulary. Uh, now, Manny, these questions, um, as always, we we ask these based off a questionnaire that Team Canada gave their athletes ahead of uh, Pyeongchang and Rio. Nice get to know you style questions, and there is a drawing element. You don't have to, but if you if you're good at drawing, you're welcome to do some homework if you want okay. to. Okay. Share on our social media. So um, yeah. extra pressure for you today. So I'm mm. going to start off by asking you, your favourite all-time Olympic moment is? Um, when I was eating special gnocchi in the cafeteria <laughs> of Channels. <laughs> All these golden moments for Australia, your favourite is when I was eating special gnocchi. No, I mean, it's it's probably, <laughs> it's got to be Cathy Freeman. I feel like every Aussie says Cathy Freeman. It's about an it's, it's 80% be. success rate on this show when it comes to that it, for Australian I mean, it's, it's, guests. It's, it's yep. pretty good, so it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still stand by uh, Dale Begg smith winning gold in Turin or uh, Chloe Esposito winning gold in Rio. Uh, that's just, yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iconic, Huge. iconic, right. Now, I know mm-hmm. the answer to this because it's obviously Essendon and, and the Rabbitohs. As a kid, my favourite sports team was. But I, I want to ask you, I loved what you mm-hmm. were saying before about going for a team that's not successful because, like, a try is an extra bit of success or, you know, things like that. Yeah. When the Rabbitohs won the premiership, was that, like, 2011, 2012 or whenever that was? Like, mm-hmm. what was that like? Because, like, I mean, this is this is why I love it when people are loyal to their teams. As much as I give you shit about Essendon money because they're shit, but, like, the day that they win a premiership, well, they've got to win a final first, but let's not start on that. If they ever win a premiership in your lifetime, it will be an amazing feeling because you've stuck with them thick and thin. So what was that like when the Rabbitohs won the premiership? It was me watching it all by myself at a couch in student housing in Melbourne where my whole family were together. <laughs> wow. Jeez. You didn't even go up for it. <laughs> well, so the thing was, was I was going through my lull and like I have lulls with NRL 
now if the Rabbitohs make the finals, like I'm, I'm there. But not to like turn the mood down again, but like the NRL can be hard to support, uh, especially the woman. Um, and I have times where I need to just like take a break. Um, and I was having one of my years where I'm just like, this is giving me more grief than joy. Um, I was having a bit of a break. So unfortunately I like tapped out a little bit that year, which like oh. I, I'm also was like at that stage where I was like moving to Melbourne and like leaving back this. I was like, oh, I'm going to be my own person. Um, yeah, really disappointing. I've really lost that moment. Um, it could have been like also because like I grew up, it's like loving this team, and I like it was just like in like that very tiny few years where I was just like Meh, um about them, and now like if they won a premiership, like I would be, Nearly I would definitely fly. Year. I would hundred percent. Yeah, I know. I was so like I almost flew for that. Um, we lost it by so two you weren't points. there for that last and then we year. Lost Reynolds. No, dad and I talked about it, but we couldn't make it work, especially when like things with AFL and because like, I work in AFL now, it's a bit harder because um, they yeah. happen around the same time. But um, oh, yeah, so sorry. I feel like that's such a bummer of an answer, but like I was just in like my little break. Um, I will always, always, always remember Sam Burgess with an entire swollen face because he'd broken his cheekbone in games, still playing, carrying on, and then him like weeping because they won with this like giant swollen face. That um, is burned into my memory <laughs> forever. That works. That works. Yeah, and like you got DVDs, like, you can watch it again on like Foxtel or something like that when they replay it. So you know, oh. you met Russell Crowe. Who cares about them winning the goddamn premiership? Like, geez. Well, on. I do now. Like, I really want to see it now. <laughs> and like, I've got a bet with like one of my friends who sees Canadian. He's got his permanent. No, he's got his visa for like another three years. And if Essendon win a premiership in that time. We will get a tattoo, and it's like not out of the question with the women's team. Well, so you, you know, well, that's good. That you, my my dad did that this year. He was uh, playing golf with a a friend, and I I don't know if they I think they were an Essendon supporter. So my dad was like on the on the golf course, like going, I'm "Make a bet with you this year. I bet you that Carlton will win a game this year before Essendon does." And he's like, "Oh, yep, okay, I'll take that bet." So he comes back the next week and he's like, "You owe me fifty bucks." It's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, Carlton won last night. It's like, "Oh, what are you talking about? The season's not on." It's like, "Yes, it is." women won last night it's like oh you bastard <laughs> like gives him the money so it was like yeah well played <laughs> that's how it works um but go the rabbit i mean i'm a shark supporter so but like i don't mind the rabbitos so you know yeah fine you know I, I love them and like to the point where like when adam reynolds renounced like announced he was going to brisbane like I, it honestly felt like, like you know, when you have that feeling of like being broken up with you, like there's nothing I can do about this. This is already happening. It's already in motion. I just have to accept this no matter how much I don't want it to happen. And I, but I was like gutted. So like I love these teams so much, but I could just, yeah, anyway. When Eddie, so when Eddie Betts went to Adelaide, when Eddie Betts went to Adelaide, just it, oh. it cut me deep. And then he came yeah. back and, and it, was, it was always good. It did. It was always good this. again. Now he's working with Geelong, isn't he? Like, come on, Eddie. Mm. Like you don't go work <laughs> for the other blue and white team. Um, yeah, no. If you could be any superhero, who would it be? Oh, oh well, I don't, I'm not well-versed with um, superheroes. <laughs> the one that comes to mind is the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had that answer before, but we'll take it. I would be the, the blonde Powerpuff Girls. What, what are their powers exactly, Marnie? I don't think I've ever watched the Powerpuff Girls. Be adorable. <laughs> well, that that's enough right there. Um, there you go. I take it. Yeah. That works. Um, yeah. If you want to draw a picture, you can draw a place from your hometown. Well, it says province here, but obviously state. So you can draw a picture of Bathurst if you like. Um, oh, I know what it would be. So, you know, the V8 supercars where it's Mount Panorama. 
Yep, yep. Some hooligans. And also, like, you, like, as soon as you drive into Bathurst, that's what you see. Like, the big mountains, a big mount panorama on it. Some hooligans one night um, graffitied it. So it said, cunt panorama. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, as you drive into the city, the first little town, the first thing you see. <laughs> you know what the funniest thing is about you telling me that story is just uh, to give some behind the scenes here. Before we went on yeah. air, I'm like, Marnie, you can swear in this. You're like, oh, can I say the C word? I'm like, if you really have to. And you worked it in. So good I worked job. it in. I worked it in. Also, because I, I feel like it, it, it seems foreign coming out of my, like, my very small bubbly little face. Remember when you said <laughs> employees might not want to hire you? Um, now they are again yeah. being off the podium yeah. saying that word. Good job. Um, your favourite music artists are? D-Flip. Okay. Kite String Tangle. Okay. I'm trying to think of like what I've been listening to recently. I've been listening to a lot of Ed Sheeran recently. I'm not very cool when it comes to music case. I'm just like whatever's on Triple J. Um, I don't know how to find so the wheels? new and cool artists. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come um, they on. Actually, they actually did the national anthem at the Matildas game. Um, did they? Wow. Yeah, uh, in Sydney. Yeah, in Sydney against Epic. like USA. And I was like, this is embarrassing for us. Even did since- they do it? Did they like? Did they do it like the Wiggles? So they're like, advance Australia, fair. Like- <laughs> Everybody now. Like this is the Matildas was laughing after the press conference. Sam Kerr was like, "Yeah, it's nice to see the Wiggles, but I don't know if they should have done the national anthem." Like I was just like a complete misstep. Wow. I was like, "This is not correct." Aww, um, I feel bad for the Wiggles. They were a real band before they were a kids band. People know that, right? Like they were the cockroaches. Look them up. It's great. Um, uh-huh. Did you, did you not know that? Did you no. actually not know that? They had a one-hit wonder in the 80s. They were called the Cockroaches. Um, I wonder I why remember, that didn't take off. I know, but I can't even remember the song. It's actually a really catchy song. I think all of them except for, uh, no, Jeff was in it. So Jeff was in it. Sam was in it. Not Sam. He was the later one. One of them wasn't in it. One of them joined them when they became like the original four, but three of them were in it. And um, it's a good song. Look up the Cockroaches, one hit wonder from the 80s, and they were the before they became the Wiggles. So there you go. I really want to see this clip of them singing the national anthem, though. That like, Are we getting the Hooli yeah. Doolies next? Um, high five. <gasps> like, oh, bring back the Hooli Doolies. Come on. Mm. I haven't been around mm. for a bit. Um, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Besides special knocky, you're not allowed to answer that. <laughs> um, is this just like a dish or a cuisine? Uh, l- give me one of each. Indian. Mm-hmm. And then if I could only have one, one dish, that's so tricky because you want it to be something that like, you're not going to get scurvy, you know, like it needs to have <laughs> well, the probably nutrients a in it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be like, but, but like if it's, oh my God, I'm taking it way too technically, but like if you're only eating one dish in your life, it's got to have veggies and protein and fiber. Can I, Manny, can it, it be like You can have whatever bowl? you want. You can eat chocolate for the rest of your life. It's okay. Um, I actually don't like chocolate. Oh, <laughs> no, because wow. then you'll get scurvy. Okay. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't want scurvy, so I'm going to go something with lots of vitamins. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with Poke Bowl because then you can get like okay. lots of different things going All right. I love the technicalities of that. Like we just get people yeah. answering on this show, like like lollies. Okay, sure, cool. Um, Ooh, you no, put your diabetes after like, a while. And like you, you, there's no iron. You have, you won't be able to even get up to eat your lollies. 
I really love just the layers you're thinking about this. Like, health-wise, Ben, I wouldn't be able to walk to go eat my lolly, so I'm going to eat healthily. Like, I like this. Um, yeah. This works really well. You've gone from saying the C word to talking about, like, your health for the, the hypothetical <laughs> yeah, yeah, question yeah, yeah. of what I can eat for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> really good. Um, uh, some of these I can't really ask because they're sort of more like if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? I'm not saying you're not an athlete, Marnie, but we've kind of gone over that. Um, what's something that people usually describe you as? Recently a cheerleader and I am obsessed with it. So I was like in the season opener of the AFW. I was on TV just in the crowd being like, woo! And then <laughs> at another game, there was a photo of me like waving a scarf around. Um, and a few of my friends have like been like, you are a great woo girl. And I was like, I'll take it. And then um, <laughs> watching Ted Lasso being like, I want to be like Keely Jones because she is such a cheerleader for everyone around her. I want to be like that. And so I put a lot of effort into that. And I think a lot of my friends are just like, we're going to tell Marty what she wants to hear, which is that she's a good cheerleader. <laughs> so I have been telling me that recently. But even just like my sister for my, like, my birthday post um, two weeks ago, it was just like, she's such a good time gal. And I was like, I feel like that's all woo girl, cheerleader, good time girl. I love that. Okay. I want to be someone people want to be around. I, I'm going to go, yeah, woo girl, cheerleader, good time girl, you can be. <laughs> can I get you to give me a, like a really big like woo right about now? No, because no. then it will be so forced and scratchy and horrid. Everyone would be like, oh, and what I don't want that? your listeners. She's not living like... up to that thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, next so time you, know you get what? You, you can't show... do a sporting game with me and you can just record okay. me. I was going to say, next time you show, I'll get you more excited. I'll get you like pumped up and, you know, we can, I'll say I'll get you on after Essendon win the final, but we'll be waiting for a while. That so, um, won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Marnie, before I let you go, obviously I mentioned your website before, uh, if people want to follow you there, marnievinyl.com, but like uh, social media, anywhere else that people can stay up to date with what you're doing and writing about and everything along those lines as well. Yeah. So you can come onto Twitter and you can learn about women's sports, a few spicy takes up in there if you would like i also just got my blue tick so i'm feeling very proud wow feeling really into myself i got verified on twitter so tell me how can you you like pass on a note so i can get a blue tick like i've that's i've been working on that for like 15 years (laughs) well i think it helps that like you do actual work not shit like this it's fine yeah it's it's all you can say it it's all good you can say it (laughs) no because constantly i'm just like there are a lot of people that like deserve their blue ticks but unless you like fit into the like very small bubbles they're just like you're a journalist or you're a no i don't know whatever a podcast host are you trying to say that they don't give them to (laughs) podcast hosts award-winning podcast host marnie award-winning podcast host thank you very much well you can write the angry letter to twitter (laughs) elon musk's on the board now i mean surely he can hook me up Marnie, it's yes. been a lot of fun. I'm glad we could uh, do this sort of full-length one and not just do a 10-minute one sitting in your car. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to I mean, look, I, I, I could be in Melbourne in July. I don't know yet. Uh, maybe I'll be working with you again during the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, Maybe not. Awesome. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But um, best of luck with everything, and I'm sure we'll get you on again Likewise. at some point to talk about something else and get you to say <laughs> the C word more. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll just see if I can, yeah, I'll, I'll keep working on like the way to like subtly get it in where I'm not just like that. See words.
And a big thanks to Marnie there for her time. Always good when someone else besides me says the C word. So thank you very much, Marnie, for that. I much appreciate it. But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of uh, in-depth chat there and very much enjoyed learning more about Marnie's career and everything else that is happening along the way. And also having someone toot my own horn. I'm always a fan of that, of course. So thank you, Marnie, for that one. We have got some more great content coming your way here and off the podium next week. We have got another guest who competed in Beijing at the Beijing 2022 Olympics, the Winter Olympics, those ones are. Uh, we'll be speaking to Brendan Corey, Australian short track speed skater, who competed in the 500 and the 1,000 metres in Beijing. Great chat with Brendan, of course. Canadian-born, uh, looked like he would race for Canada at the Olympics, but switched allegiances, came to Australia, saw the light, wore the green and gold in Beijing, and uh, gives us a great chat and an insight into his uh, career. And we also chat to him next week a little bit about why the history of Australia getting Canadian-born athletes to compete for us at the Winter Olympics and then going on to win gold medals in Italy might spur him on to success in Milan in 2026. So you want to listen to that one. That's Brendan Corey next week. In the meantime, of course, if you've missed any of our other interviews or episodes, you can hit us up on the channels of podcasting out there, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. We're on there. Just search for Off the Podium and you can subscribe leave some feedback we'd love to hear what you think of the show and if you want to follow us on all the social media channels facebook twitter instagram youtube you can find us on there as well to stay up to date with what we have got going on with the show big thanks again to marnie for her time and big thanks to you for listening my name is ben special shout out as always to jason momoa and remember always go left I'm turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so.